one more round studio production. I agree. I agree. I agree. Mike, can we pull this up? It, are we playing South Carolina next season? The stat the man. Stat man. I agree. I agree. I agree. That's, I mean, you have South Carolina. That's, I mean, you have South Carolina. Uh, Muschamp, in my opinion, he's a great coach. So, I mean, that's... So yeah. we lose to South Carolina? Is that where we're at in this point in life? Is South Carolina on our schedule next season? I agree. I Mike, agree. can we pull this up? It, are we playing South Carolina next season? The stat, man. I agree. I agree. I agree. One more round studio production. Good evening. We are here in the One More Round Studios. Casey just clear with Damian St. Pierre, Mello at the controls. We've got a jam-packed show for you tonight. In a couple of minutes, we're going to go on out to Thibodeau, Louisiana. We'll have Nichols State University men's basketball coach Richie Riley on the line. It's always good to spend a little time with Coach Riley. We look forward to doing that here in a couple of minutes. Then after that, we're going to go a little bit north of Thibodeau to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where we'll have graduated senior pitcher Russell Reynolds on the line. He will be talking about the uh, magical ride that the Tigers had just a couple weeks ago out in Omaha, Louisiana, Omaha, Louisiana, Omaha, Nebraska, in the College World Series. Um, Russell's a character. You're going to want to listen to him. He was one of the leaders of the team, and he always has some good things to say. But we'll kick it off with some uh, NBA talk, which uh, it, the offseason is winding down quite a bit. Uh, but there was some big news involving the Pelicans today, so that's where we'll lead off. And according to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, the Pelicans are talking with Rajon Rondo about a one-year contract, which would allow Rondo to reunite with Boogie Cousins. The word on the street is that those two guys are very good friends. They both played in Sacramento together. Um, Rondo has had a couple of offers, the, or, or was flirting with a couple of teams, a couple of visits, rather. The Lakers were talking to him for a little while. They ended up getting the Pope kid from Detroit instead. Um, I believe he was talking to uh, maybe Miami for a little while. That fell through. Now Rondo's about out of options. The Pelicans have about 4 or $5 million they could give him. Everybody seems to have an opinion on this, and we did a Twitter poll today, and I'm absolutely shocked at the results of this. As we um, asked everybody, would you approve of the Pelicans getting Rajon Rondo? 41 people voted. We had 93% say yes, 7% say no, and it's only even that way because uh, Mello just voted no just a second ago. So <laughs> a lot of um, a lot of the, the folks that I saw on my Twitter feed were sort of mixed on this. But apparently we have a different audience at our one more round Twitter feed uh, because it's overwhelmingly yes. So I'll pose the question to you, Damien. Would you approve the Pelicans signing Rajon Rondo to a one-year deal? Yes, but only, only because of what's left out there. And the fact that the Pelicans have made zero moves to this point, they're pretty strapped. I was pretty intrigued by the the possibility of the trade of uh, of trying to get Reggie Jackson. I'm not a big Reggie Jackson fan. I'm more of a less of an Alexis Agensa fan. Sure. And we'd have shed that contract. But Rondo, four-time All-Star, uh, to be his fifth team in the NBA. What we need right now are three-point shooters. He's a 30% career three-point shooter. He's averaging 10 points a game eight and a half assists over his career is that exactly is that the is that what we need right now no No. do we need a body that could actually play at an nba level yeah so i'm not going i'm not going to be i'm kind of in the middle i'm not going to make a decision right now 
on whether I, I don't I don't really know. I don't know if I should make a decision at all right now. I'm I'm kind of in the middle. I think we need a body, but I don't know if that body should be Rayshon Rondo. Right, and, and um, I guess I, I'm a I'm a little more towards the no side, and this is the reason why. I, I, I they want to do this. They're they're so desperate to get a point guard, but they they told Drew Holiday when re-signing him, hey, we'll let you play off the ball, which is something that he likes to do. By having a Rondo Holiday pairing. One of the two could consistently make the three ball. That's Holiday. Whereas if you have Drew at the point, Etuan Moore at the two, both of the guys can make the three ball. I don't know that the spacing is going to be very good if you have Rondo. That's been one of the issues that he's had in the last couple of seasons in Chicago. The Bulls were in. They were decent, but they underwhelmed considering they signed both Rondo and Dwayne Wade last offseason. In Sacramento, that was sort of the problem that they would have as well. It was... In today's game, man, if you're not making the three ball, you're, you're not able to stay on the floor consistently. That's just the way the game has changed. And I think Rondo could maybe do some good things for Frank Jackson, who they just drafted and, and are going to try to groom into a rotation player. But I'm just a little worried about how this fit is going to be, especially in an offense that wants to be wide open, wants to be spread out. How is Rondo going to fit into those plans? I'm going to tell you, uh, as we know, Rondo is kind of a head case. Sure. Boogie Cousins is pretty much a head case. <laughs> Alvin Gentry is going to have a hell of a time dealing with these two. I've had the the luxury of sitting in those seats between the Pelicans bench and the score table, and that's obviously my favorite place to sit in the arena, but for the most part is because I get to hear the frustration level of Alvin Gentry. Uh, he comes up with some, some very creative phrases on how to – uh, I guess uh, voices displeasure with this team. Adding Rondo to that mix is going to be some even even it's some even even more fun to be able to listen to Alvin, Coach Alvin Gentry talk on the sidelines. Coach Gentry is colorful. He's not afraid to tell the officials how he feels on any given time. I could respect that. And, and, and at, at one thing that is always interesting to me is I, I've been in you know fortunate to be in that position as well, sitting courtside is the. And, and you could, I think, back me up on this, is the apathy that the players have for when Coach Ehrman stands up and tries to tell them to do something defensively, they just turn and look the other way. And I thought that was very interesting to me and very telling as to maybe why this team struggled a little bit. He kind of gets up and he's fired up and he's got a lot of passion and then they're like, eh, yeah, whatever, man. I, I thought that the the lack of control the last couple of years has been a big thing. I don't know if that's staff-related. I don't know if it's personnel. Maybe it's some of the wrong guys being a part of what's going on. But that has been an interesting thing to look at because you're right. It's very telling when you sit down there how this ship is run. I don't. The lack of chemistry is what kills me, and you could see that sitting that close. You could definitely see that. Just bringing in guys for a half a year, bringing in guys on a 10-day contract, or, or look, even what they're talking about doing with Rondo, a one-year deal, that doesn't do much for your team chemistry. And uh, listen, I, I've I've seen Coach Darren Ehrman in uh, clinics before, and he's one of those. He reminds me of Rick Moranis and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. He's just way over the top on a lot of things, and people just I, I guess people just don't understand the guy. He's obviously knows a lot about basketball, but I don't know if he relates to the players as uh, as much as he as much as he should. He takes his job very 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 seriously. He uh, reminds me a little bit of uh, LSU defensive coordinator Dave Aranda. It's funny, they were talking, uh, reporters were were interviewing Dave Aranda a couple weeks ago, and they asked him, you know, hey, coach, how do you like Baton Rouge? And and he sort of said, well, you know, a couple weeks ago I bought a TV. That that was fun. So, I mean, the guy lived in Baton Rouge an entire year, didn't have a TV installed in his house. They asked him why. 
oh, I mean, I was watching film. I was busy just doing some different things. And, and at the college level, you could get away with that. In the pros, and especially in the NBA, which is a very urbanized game, I don't know that you could be that much of a dork and relate to your players. That's some of the same problems that Jeff Van Gundy sort of had at the end of his run. And look, we're going to have our weekly fashion segment right here. Darren, Coach Ehrman's shoes are awful. <laughs> awful. And that's every night. Every night, I'll, I'm, a, I'm a shoe guy, so that's pretty much the first thing. If I, if I see someone, I'm, I'm a, especially in the NBA, you got that much cash, you better spend some money on your wardrobe and your, especially your shoes. He comes out with these these brown loafers, man. I can't I can't deal with it. I I, can, I couldn't even wear them, and I'm, I don't make even close to what these guys are making. It's like uh, playing ball in K Swiss. Is it that bad? Yeah, look any close. any low tops. I'm I'm not with you. I'm not with you. <laughs> okay, so um, the, of course the Rondo talk is heated up because reports are stating that the Reggie Jackson talks, which were yesterday's flavor of the week, have sort of cooled down a little bit. And it's funny, the, the debate, because, you know, we talk about Rondo being a polarizing figure. Well, the Reggie Jackson thing, that has been all over the park. I mean, people are, you know, so, go so far as to saying that if they get Reggie Jackson, they're a 50-win team. And other people are saying, you Five know. Seed. if I Yeah. Other people are saying, you know, hey, if they get this guy, you know, he's making, you know, close to $20 million a year. This would be terrible. Um, so I'm going to ask you, and the, the rumor has been that, if the Pelicans want, they could possibly get Jackson as part of a four-team deal with the Rockets and Knicks, which would get Melo to you know to Houston and everything else. But I'll throw it to you straight up: if the reports are true, and the Pels have to give up a Jensa, and they have to give up Etwan Moore, and they get Reggie Jackson in return, what would this do to the team in terms of the standings? Would it catapult them into playoff contention, or would it solidify their spot and lock it in? I don't see that much of a change, to be honest. I- uh, you know, Reggie Jackson, he, he's not the type of player that's going to bring you from the 8, 9, 10th spot to the middle of the of the pack. And you don't even want to be in the middle of the pack. You want – if you're not in the top – if you ain't first, you're like, you should be last. In, in the, the NBA, NBA yeah. yeah. You know, it. I just don't see him as that type of player. I, if I'm uh, Dell Demps at this point, I'm trying to get rid of some of these bad contracts, which I guess that's what everybody's doing. So do what everybody else is doing. Call the Nets. The Nets are taking every bad contract right now just to be able to have an ex- some expiring deals and be able to make some deals in the future. I just, I, I don't think, uh, Mr. I don't think Mr. October is where I don't think he would bring us to any any Graceland at any point. <laughs> Mr. October, that's not it, what it was. I, I mean, yeah, that that's okay. what he was. Just <laughs> he was in Naked Gun, right? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Frank Drebin. It's always a, a good name to drop on the podcast. Jack, Jackson had. Um, a lot of poise, or a lot of poise, a lot of uh, promise early in his career when he was an Oklahoma City guy. Then uh, he got out of there, got to Detroit, had some interesting things to say about Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant, which leads very smoothly into a segue. Partner, did you watch the ESPYs last night? I've watched the highlights. I'm so, not, an, so I'm not did, an ESPYs guy. Neither me. No, I didn't watch them either. But you did see the big you know, shtick that everyone's talking about, Peyton Manning on the stage making jokes about Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant looks like he then wants to fight Peyton Manning while on there. And um, my thoughts as I'm seeing this was first, Kevin Durant, grow up, please, for goodness sake. What the hell are you doing? Um, so did you sort of have the same reaction? I mean, everybody else in the building's laughing. A year has passed since this all happened. Kevin Durant got the last laugh. He won the ring. Why the hell be so bitter about this, man? I, I don't know. I think if I if that joke would have been made about me and if I'd have been in that same situation, I'd have gave him the same all bruh face that – that he gave 
And then Westbrook seemed he didn't seem too uh too enthusiastic about hearing that as well. But, but he doesn't smile at all. <laughs> and he shouldn't. But since when is Peyton Manning a freaking comedian? I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I tend to like his comedic work more than I liked his his own field work. Now he was a great football player, but everyone who knows me knows that I've forever held a grudge that he didn't go to Louisiana College. So I, I tend to like him more as a comedian than I do a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know, Case. What did what did oh, you are kind of already said? What what about Westbrook? He kind of got the tail end of the joke. Just no no reaction from him. That's the kind of guy he is. I I like Westbrook's reaction. Just in that he was kind of he, he kind of had the vibe of. Yeah, if Durant would have stayed, we we could have maybe chased this thing one more time. I, I you know it was curious to me um, how that all went down. But here's an interesting point that was brought up to me about this all from one of my buddies, and he said, you know, hey, maybe Kevin Durant was just sort of um, upset because of who the message came from. But guess what? Peyton Manning got released by the Colts. He signed with the team with the best defense and the best young receivers in the Broncos. Peyton Manning is the NFL's version of Kevin Durant. He did the exact same thing, left his first team, went to another team, won a late, you know, late championship. So I don't know, maybe that was part of it as well. Yeah, you can't – listen, I'm not a Peyton Manning guy by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't know if you could compare those two situations, being that Peyton Manning was actually 75 years old when he signed <laughs> with the Broncos and, and Kevin Durant's in the prime of his career – but he did both both guys made business decisions and they signed themselves with teams that gave them the best opportunity to win and at the end of the day i personally cannot fault a human being for giving themselves the best opportunity to be able to succeed in a situation yeah no you're right about that um pelicans ended their summer well i believe that there's actually a consolation bracket but they're they're no longer in contention to win the summer league they lost today against the san antonio spurs and a partner, from what I understand, I didn't get a chance to watch the game, but from what I understand, there was uh, just sort of a cold night. Just ran into some hard luck shooting the basketball and uh, just you know had a tough one against the Spurs. Yeah, Summer League, not about wins and losses at all. You kind of want to look at two people right now. Uh, Check Diallo, he had 13, another double-double, 13 points, 13 rebounds, another solid showing from him. And uh, also Quinn Cook, 16.7 assists. That's the two guys that uh, have a chance, if not, uh, are already solid on the Pelican roster. The rest of the guys are just kind of playing as a tryout for other teams or maybe 10-day contracts or any anything to come up with the Pelicans organization right now. Uh, they did what they set out to do. They got some experience. Those two guys looked the part. I think uh, check Diallo more than Quinn Cook. I think he's ready for the main roster right now. I like check Diallo a lot, and I am known for – being sort of the negative Nancy when it comes to the Pelicans, never have anything good to say. I like the, the way that this guy plays because the thing, you know, that, that you always want to do in, in any sport is you want to be good at what everyone else isn't good at. So in the NFL, for example, everyone is now spread out. They're throwing the ball all over the field. Last couple of years, seeing the defenses got smaller, the Cowboys said, you know what, we're going to get bigger. We're going to run the ball more, and it's worked. Now in the NBA, everybody's – Got guards all over the floor. Everybody's spread out. You know, your power forward is 6'8", and he could shoot the three. So I think now that the Pelicans have that guy who's rough and rugged in the post and is going to outwork you, he's going to be very physical down there, I think that there's a place for Czech Diallo to be a big-time mismatch offensively while still also being able to defend on the defensive side. 
I think he's a diamond in the rough, and I think he may end up being a great draft pick for Dell Dents. I still believe that his best days are ahead of him. He's not fully developed at this point in his career, and we kind of talked about this in you know before pre-show. Gentry doesn't play Cousins and Davis a lot together. Maybe start of the games, the end of games, but in between that, it's one of them on the floor. So Diallo better come in and give. I, I think it'd be 15 to 20 minutes off the bench. And I think he's going to be pretty solid. He's definitely better than anything we have right at this point. Absolutely. And that's sort of where we are right now with the Pels. They're just flirting. They're, they're trying to get some trade partners. They're trying to talk to what little free agents there are left. The, uh, I guess the, 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 the gumbo pot is getting a little bit empty in terms of the free agent market, but they're trying to better their roster any way that they possibly can. One, um, uh, Interesting thing to, to note is the NBA changed their rules. They're going to limit the amount of timeouts in a game. Uh, so there are going to be fewer TV timeouts, first off. And then secondly, in the past, teams would sort of save their timeouts, knowing that, you know, hey, at the end of the game, we could burn a bunch of them and extend games out. No longer will you be able to do that. You're going to only be able to use two timeouts, I believe, in the final three minutes of a game. So now maybe we could get through having the last five minutes of a game last for four hours. I think that that's probably a pretty good rule change that they put in place. As a coach, I can't I can't deal with that. But as a fan of the NBA, uh, it's going to make the games a lot more uh, smooth towards the end. A lot less t- if a lot less TV timeouts occur, just the the the, the speed of the game will will keep going, and there's the tempo the tempo will be a lot better. And case before we go, uh, Dan Raphael from ESPN.com. Just had an interesting tweet okay. a couple minutes ago. Okay, We always talk about Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor. Their press conference tour at the Barclays Center drew 13,165 fans. <clears throat> and that is just people wanting to show up and watch these guys talk and trash talk and push and shove. I think that that leads very well into the conversation we've had before about whether or not this fight is going to sell. I think that's a pretty good indication that it is going to sell and it's going to sell heavily. What are, what are your thoughts as you were watching? We haven't had an opportunity to really speak much on this. The, the the press tour so far has been a circus, man. I mean, it's been Mayweather throwing money around and talking about how, how he's this and that. McGregor talking about uh, Floyd's tax problems and how he's going to knock him out inside of four rounds. And I know that some of this stuff is fluffed up, in, fluffed up intentionally because they want to sell the fight. But I guess what are your thoughts as you're watching these two guys go at it? It's entertaining. That's that's the bottom line, and that's what they're trying to do because the fight won't be entertaining. I think the press conferences uh, will be a little better than the fight because the the pre-fight stuff has to be something special for them to be able to buy the fight and then get roped in, and it's going to be a terrible fight because one guy is one of the best boxers to ever grace the earth, and the other guy is his first boxing match ever. One thing that caught my eye that I got to see that was – a little uh, Quinn, uh, just a little off, I guess. Mayweather grabbed an Irish flag out of the crowd. <laughs> I did see that. And McGregor looked like he was about to lose it. And Mayweather just kind of used it as some type of cape. I, I was ready for that to be stomped and spit on, and that didn't happen. And then McGregor goes and gets Floyd Mayweather's backpack that was hanging on the podium. And dogs him for having only five thousand dollars worth of cash in only his bag. Huh? only five grand and then mayweather kind of you know gave the flag back or whatever but that could have been a big time they could have had a flag on a pole match after that 
<laughs> hey, look, man, you're the big fashion guy. The first press conference, I believe, was in Vegas or maybe maybe Los Angeles, wherever it was. I'm the fashion guy. Okay. No, look, look, I'm I'm following you here. Um, <laughs> McGregor had some interesting words stitched into his jacket. What were your thoughts about that? Would you buy a jacket with those words stitched onto it? If I was about to make $100 million, absolutely I would buy that. Absolutely. I figured, I figured you would say as much. We're going to wrap it up here. We're going to take our first commercial break when we get back. We're going to have Nichols State University men's basketball coach Richie Riley on the line. Look, it's an exciting time to be a Colonel fan. Uh, get on board now, man. They're going to have some uh, some sold-out crowds at Stouffer Gym, I believe, is they're going to have a really good team. Then about 20 minutes or so, we're going to have Russell Reynolds on the line, fresh off of LSU's trip to Omaha. So we've got a couple of guests for you, and then we'll wrap up the show after that, talk a little more Summer League. I want to ask you about Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball's had some big games here. And uh, just some other sports talks. So keep it right here. You're listening to One More Round. We'll be right back after this. Hey, bro, let's go fishing. Hey, Steve, we can't. That storm cracked all my lines and sunk my shallow. Shall what we gonna do? And what about Max? Let's call Max him. Max? Yeah, to Gibson. Don't be like those cuyons. Visit Max Plays on Send the Gang online today at www.fishtidewater.com. That's Tidewater Charters at www.fishtidewater.com. And welcome back. You're listening to One More Round here. Casey Justclair, Damian St. Pierre. We're joined by a very special guest now. We have uh, Nichols State University men's basketball coach Richie Riley on the line. Coach, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. On the road recruiting a little bit, so I'm out of town right now. Came out, came out of the gym to talk to you guys. There's nothing more important than talking to you guys. Well, we very, very much appreciate that, Coach. I know it's always a busy time. Uh, tirelessly recruiting. Uh, what are some of the things that you're focused on here in this off season? It is, we'll be we'll be older next year. You know, we do love the freshmen that we brought in, so we're looking to build with those guys that we brought in this past year and add to it. You know, we we always believe in having a great mix from a recruiting standpoint. You know, we recruit Louisiana very hard, and we were fortunate to get a couple of kids from around our area that are really going to be programmed guys and we're excited about that we want to continue to hit our area hard and keep the best guys home and then we also mix in some junior college and transfer stuff just to have great balance and you know we feel like we've done that so far and it, you know going into year three next year after this season hopefully we'll have some some momentum and continue to go in that way coach you know talking a little bit uh, with you last week I know you were telling me that there's some guys who sat out last year that you're thinking are going to make a really big impact next year. I guess just introduce our audience a little bit to the makeup of your roster. Yeah, really excited about both those guys. And anytime you can set out two high-level guys um, in year one, I think it's important. You know, the first guy, Roddy Peters, was a former top 40 guy in the country out of high school. He's from Suitland, Maryland, which is pretty much, you know, close to Washington, D.C. area. Went to Maryland out of high school and was good and, you know, freshman of the week a couple times in the ACC and ended up transferring to South Florida when there was an assistant coaching change. Was having a good career there and got injured and 
we were fortunate to get him at our place, and he's really progressed, and he's a big point guard, 6'4", 200. Uh, some of the best vision that I've coached. His IQ is tremendous, his ability to play in transition. So we're excited about that. Anytime you get that type of experience and, and a high-level guy that's contributed at that level, it's huge. And then the other guy is Tavon Sadler, who was a first-team all-league player in the yeah. SoCon at UNC Greensboro, averaged around 16 a game. Um, was freshman the year before that and really versatile has a chance to be one of the best guys I've ever had and you know we had we had a guy at Clemson that got drafted in this past year's draft by the Spurs and you know I think I think each of those guys are going to be you know if they got work to do they need to keep working they need to have a good summer and a good preseason but they got a chance to be two of the best that that I've ever coached Hey, Coach, this is Damian St. Pierre. I had a chance last season to attend one of your practices and then a couple of your games as well. And the big thing I noticed is the energy level at practice and the energy level on the bench. What do you preach to your players and your staff to keep that up? Damian, I appreciate you saying that, man. And, you know, that's what we're built on. And I've always been like that as an assistant. And I tried to hire a staff that's, you know, motivated by those same things. And, you know, we try to bring it every day. And, and if you do, it rubs off on your team. What I've always believed is, you know, if I'm not bringing energy as the head coach and my assistants aren't bringing energy every single day, then how could you expect, you know, 18 to 22-year-old kids to do it? You know, they they kind of go off your example, and you got to set the tone every day. And, you know, that's, that's an important staple of our program. Like, we've got to have energy every day. We're not going to make every shot. We're not going to make every right decision, you know, but – we do bring energy and we compete every day. And I think, you know, that's going to lead to success for us. And coach, uh, one of the things about year one, and it was just, it was a, a, an interesting year because, you know, what you thought you had at the beginning of the year ended up kind of changing really from week to week. Yeah, guys get injured and go down and some guys leave the team. And I know that it, it was um, your first ride as a head coach, and I'm sure you learned a lot with dealing with adversity because you had a lot of it to deal with in year one. I, I really did. It was, it was sometimes it was flying by the seat of your pants, man. It felt like, and and I'm really a preparation guy. I like to know everything, you know, ahead of time, and we did our best to do that. But we were, had some injuries, which were unfortunate. Uh, had a guy, that, you know, our team that just didn't live up to the culture of our program. And, you know, that's never going to be accepted at our place. So we had to make some changes, you know, and some of it was basketball-wise, you know, from a strategic standpoint. We had to slow down a little bit. I like to play really fast, and I like to really pressure you. And just from a number standpoint, we had to kind of pull it back a little bit and be really creative defensively, changing defenses. Um, offensively, luckily we shot the ball a lot better, I think, I think the year before we got there, they were last in the Southland in three-point shooting, and, you know, we ended up being first in makes, which allowed us to win some games maybe that on paper we shouldn't have. But it was it was definitely a learning curve your first year as a head coach. I think any time you move over that one seat, it's a learning curve. But all the things that we went through, I've said this a million times in the offseason, I couldn't be more proud of a team. You know, we were we – were, down in numbers and you know our guys were beat up and tired a lot of the year especially the last 10 or 12 games you know we would guys playing 38 to 40 minutes every night and you know bringing it in practice every day and the, we had a group that just fought till the end and I, I'm really proud of those guys we had a really great group of kids and, and coach uh, Damien and I have both been Louisiana you know lifers our entire life we've lived here this was a new thing for you and your family 
How has Southeast Louisiana and Thibodeau and, you know, the surrounding area treated you? Do you guys like it here? I love Southeast Louisiana. I've been talking about it all the whole time I've been on the road recruiting. You know, that's one of the first questions people ask. And I love it. And the number one reason that we love it is the people. I mean, the people in South South Louisiana have went above and beyond, whether it's in Thibodeau or Homa or Terrebonne, anywhere we've been, they've went above and beyond to make us feel like family, you know, really be supportive of us. It's a, it's a fabulous place to raise your kids. I have a three-year-old son and a 10-month-old son. And it's, it's just, you don't, you don't have to worry about safety everywhere you go. People got their arms wide open to welcome you and, I mean, and that's, I'm not even touched on the food yet. The food, the food <laughs> is incredible. You can go to just a basic cookout. Next thing you know, you've got crawfish and you've got shrimp and you've got all this stuff. I mean, it's, it's an awesome place to live. And I hadn't spent any time, you know, other than in New Orleans recruiting. I had recruited New Orleans at Clemson and at UAB and some of the places, but I hadn't spent a ton of time down here. And, you know, we've really fell in love with it. My wife loves it. I love it. And, you know, it's it's been really good. My son, every time we cross the bridge there from from our house to go on to campus, he sees he sees the water and he points over there. He says, "There's a bayou, Dad." Every <laughs> single time, so we're all getting used to it. Very good. And one of the big challenges you guys are going to face in year two is, I mean, you have one hell of a center this past season in Liam Thomas, and 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 we've talked before about some of the different things he does well. He was a great passer, pretty good post player, all the block shots and everything like that. That's going to take a committee approach if you guys are going to want to replace that. Who are some of the post players you're going to be leaning on next year? It is. Having Lee back there was a huge advantage for us. It allowed guys to make mistakes on the perimeter. And you knew that you had Lee back there to cover you up. And He was good for – he averaged four blocks a game. But in conference, I think he averaged, you know, like six and a half maybe. We we are going to do it by committee. We're bringing in Legend Roberton, who's a graduate transfer from Clemson. He's 7'1", 280. Um, high level high major athleticism and shot blocking he's an elite defender um still progressing offensively but on the defensive end he's going to be a game changer a little bit different than what lee the way lee did it lee was so patient and you know ledge is trying to block everything you know as soon as he's in the game he's trying to block everything so we have him we have jeremy verhagen a graduate transfer from northern colorado who averaged eight and six out there uh maybe like a blocky game he's 610 240 and he's more you know, in the layout of the way that Lee was, you know, not an extremely high, high-level athlete, but great size, um, great timing as far as blocking shots. So I think he can help us in those areas. And then we've got two other guys who are going to surprise some people, I think. Raji Lyons from John Curtis is a freshman, 6'10 and a half, um, 240s, put on some great muscle continuing to get better this summer i think he's going to surprise some people defensively and then we have daniel regis who was a junior college kid he's a little bit smaller but his motor really runs and he's active around the rim i think he's going to have an impact too and he's about six seven 235 was on a 33 win team at gillette that went to the national tournament at hutch so we feel like as a committee we can make up for for that for that loss, I mean, when you lose a guy like Liam Thomas, all-time leading shot blocker in Nichols history, um, led the nation in shot blocks, you just you lose a lot. So hopefully, by committee, we can we can help cushion that blow. Do you ever sit back and you know, especially you know, you're on a recruiting trip now, and and you know, is there ever a moment where you sit back and you say to yourself, 
My goodness gracious, I really am a collegiate head coach. It's only been a year now, and I, and I know that, it, that it's – has it finally sunk into you yet? I do all the time, man. It's funny that you ask that. I do all the time because it was a dream of mine since I've been a little bitty kid to have a chance just to coach college basketball, let alone at the Division One level. And, you know, I sit around and I think, you know, eight years ago I was an assistant at Pikeville College, an NAI school, a little bitty NAI school in Kentucky, this basketball has taken me all the way around the country and given me an opportunity to not only be a head coach now, but coaching what I feel like is the best basketball league in America and the ACC and play against the best or coach against the best of the best. Now I get a chance to have my own program. It's fun. Sometimes you catch yourself. I've only been a head coach for a year, and I'll catch myself like watching a kid at this thing saying, you know, we should probably offer him. And then I think, like, <laughs> I'm the head coach. Like, if we want to offer him, we can offer him. I don't have to ask I don't have to ask my boss anymore, have him come see him. So, yeah, it, it, it really is. It's a blessing to, to get an opportunity to be at a great place like Nichols and like we talked about in South Louisiana for my head coaching job. I mean, it, it really is. And I've been blessed and just, just excited to keep going and build something special here. Well, look, man, we're going to let you get back to your recruiting. But, look, we're, we're about 45 minutes south of Thibodeau. You're going to have to come join us in studio, man. No question. Anytime you guys will have me, I'd love to do it. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate you all taking the time to talk to me and, and help promote our program. It really means a lot to me. Absolutely. Take care, man. All right. You guys, too. Thanks, guys. Yes, sir. That was Nichols State University men's basketball coach Richie Riley on the line talking some Colonels basketball. And, uh, man, they've got some things rolling out there in Thibodeau right now. Yeah, it's definitely a 180 from the previous regime. On As, as far as the biggest thing that sticks out to me is the energy level and like I, I told Coach Riley, you know, I, I had to go, had a chance to go watch him practice, and it's it's nonstop from the the opening time frame until the end, and they just go, they get at it. And then he talked about, you know, pushing the, the the tempo of the game and wanting to press, and you could see that at the beginning of the season. Then when you know his bodies kind of got limited, they had to kind of uh, scale back from doing that. But I think the sky that the sky is the limit for this team and for this head coach. I just don't know how long that he's going to be here because I, I know yeah. we're not the only ones that see that. <laughs> You're right. And interesting thing is, is right after the season, he said, you know what? Um, this year was frustrating to me because I felt like there were times where we played really, really well, but still lost because we just kind of ran out of gas. And he said that was a, a very helpless feeling to him. And that's exactly why he's on the road recruiting right now. He said, uh, and I think this is an exact quote he said, after seeing that, I don't want that ever to happen to one of my teams again. So he's been recruiting tirelessly. They were seven or eight deep this past year because of injury and some of the things that happened. Look for them to be nine or ten deep of solid Southland-worthy players. I think they're going to have a really, really good season this year and even beyond. I think so, too. And I think one thing that he's going to get to prove, uh, and I think he'll do a good job of doing so, is that now they kind of – they're getting some talent in, so other teams know they're not gonna they're not gonna sneak up on anybody. They kind of got that bullseye in their back because of the, some of the names that Coach Riley has brought in. Wanted to ask him about this, and and we'll have him on again soon to talk about it. But he's actually really good friends with Will Wade. He's been in Baton Rouge several times since Will Wade's gotten the job, and uh, you know it's it, it's fun. It's a fun time now. We've got Coach Riley and Thibodeau. We've got you know Schlesinger at UNO. Uh, Will Wade at LSU. We've got a lot of young, energetic, passionate guys. And I think that they're going to keep a lot of the great state talent right here where it belongs. Yeah, I think they already started to do a hell of a job doing that. 
Well, let's do this. We'll take our next commercial break. When we get back, we're going to shift from Thibodeau, Louisiana to Baton Rouge. We're going to have Russell Reynolds, LSU pitcher, game one starter in the College World Series Championship Series on the line. He'll talk about some of the things he's doing. You're listening to One More Round. We'll be right back after this quick break. If you're in the market for a screen-printed vinyl t-shirt, sports apparel, embroidery, or much more, please visit Down the Bayou Design Studio and Clothing Company in Golden Meadow. They have all your clothing needs. Go visit Nick and all the guys out there. They're going to do a wonderful job. Again, that's Down the Bayou Design Studio and Clothing Company out in Golden Meadow. They're open five days a week from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Again, that's Down the Bayou Design Studio and Clothing Company. Give them a ring, 985-475-7700. And welcome back to One More Round Studios here. Casey Justclair, uh, Damien St. Pierre. We want to thank Nichols basketball coach Richie Riley for joining us in the last segment. And now we'll take a trip out to Baton Rouge where we have graduated LSU pitcher Russell Reynolds on the line. Russell, how you doing, bud? I'm doing good. Had a long day uh, working with some kids, getting better with some kids. Uh, and I'm hanging out with one of my boys, uh, Dax Norman. It's his birthday today, so I wanted to give him a shout-out. There you uh, go. Yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing well. Russell, just a couple of weeks ago, you guys were uh, buried in one of the greatest LSU baseball seasons in, in, in recent memory. You guys made it all the way to Omaha finished as the national runner-up and um i know that that was one heck of a ride i guess just give us a rundown of the year and, and some of the things that uh that made you most proud yeah um i mean there was plenty of times in the year where we thought i mean at the beginning of the year when i guess when you call it the halfway point we thought man you know we're just going to be in another average lsu team uh but i think it took a lot of guys stepping up and not trying to do things for themselves, but doing things for our team that uh, that brought us to where we were. And uh, we had a lot of unselfish guys on our team, and uh, we had a lot of guys step up. And we knew we had good players the whole time. We just weren't playing as a team at points. And that and us playing together as a team is what brought us all the way to Omaha and got us to the national championship game. Very good. And, and Russell, there were a lot of LSU fans that – were a little bit surprised that you got the ball in game one in Omaha. So I'm going I'm to ask you, man, you're out there. You didn't throw a ton in, in this past season, but you get out there in Omaha, the entire college baseball world's watching you, and you know, you're know you out there in the top of the first inning. Did, did you have a good grip on the ball? Were you sweating? Were you nervous at all? I guess just paint that picture for us. <laughs> okay, yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean – I was more in shock than any of y'all were whenever that phone out find that I'm starting. I hadn't started since probably McNeese, a midway game two years ago. Uh, so, yeah, I find that I'm starting. Uh, I think it more came from the guys on our team kind of knew that they thought that maybe they had faith in me that I could handle the situation. Um, I pitched in Omaha a few times, and I feel like I'd in previous years pitched in a lot of big games and big moments for LSU. So, um the moment wasn't too big for me, yeah. But I mean, yeah, I wasn't shocked that I that I got the that I got the nod in the game. But no, I wasn't sweating, wasn't wasn't too nervous. Was trying to really. I knew that that day was most likely going to be the last time I ever 
to a baseball in a competitive atmosphere. So I wanted to take advantage, soak it all up. Uh, and I did. I got everything I wanted out of it. I wish I could have helped our team a little bit more, but I'm happy I had the opportunity. Now, from what uh, was was said on the broadcast is when you were announced as a starter, the team really got fired up and they kind of rallied around the idea of you being out there on the mound. Um, I'm sure that had to make you feel really, really good, knowing that, you know, as a senior leader on the team, the club really had your back in that situation. Yeah, that I mean, I, I cannot even explain how good that made me feel to know that the guys on my team with the numbers I put up this year and the small amount of innings and the way I'd gotten hit and for them to want the ball in my hand, you know, in crunch time, it made me feel just like everything I've worked towards, you know, trying to show them, you know, the way and working with them has, you know, paid off. Um, so I was really blessed to get that opportunity. Yeah. Very good. And, and tell me a little bit about what it's like being in Omaha. You know, I've never actually had the opportunity to, to make that trip, though it's it's on my bucket list. It's something I definitely want to do. Is it as fun as it looks on TV? Because, man, it looks like a blast. Everybody's having a good time, and it looks like, especially playing for LSU and the fans turn out in droves, it looks like that was probably a really, really fun two weeks for you guys. Oh, my gosh, dude. I mean, it's 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 like nothing else. I mean, playing at Alex Box in the first place is like nothing else. You don't get to experience that anywhere else in college baseball. But when you get to Omaha and you get to see how many Omaha natives are just LSU fans because they're there so much – and then whenever – I mean, we start BP, dude, and we got – we have our whole – you know, the whole section. Like, the second they let the uh, standing room only seats or the general admission seats open, it's just purple and gold, like, flowing everywhere. Everybody's rowdy. I think Omaha's fun in general, but I think it's a lot more fun to be a Tiger in no Omaha. No doubt. And I guess, uh, you know, and we talked a little bit about this the last time that, that you and I spoke. Give us a little bit of a peek into – the personality of this team i mean there were a lot of guys that on the on the surface and the outside looking in seemed to be some interesting guys you know we, we know about hess and you know he he seems to be a fun guy kramer robertson yeah. has the cleats and the hair and i guess just give us a little bit of a look you know from the inside out now of, of the locker room you guys okay. have yeah uh, yeah i'm looking forward to talking about that so they're just the rundown on the guys that that y'all want to know about so yeah so you look at kramer obviously and you see you know this dude's he looks flashy. I mean, you can't, you can't say he doesn't. He's got the cleats. He's got the, he's got his hair all going. But, and on, and that's what he comes off as. And once you get to know him, you really get to know him as a ball player. Like he's a grinder. And sure. I know the word grinder, grinder gets thrown around too much. But at the end of the day, you can hate on him all you want for the way he looks. But who cares? He's giving it all he has for us, and that's all we could ask of him. And he's a great teammate, and he's gonna have your back. And that's the same way with most of the guys on our team. Uh, Cole Freeman. For a guy, you know, who cared about his hair a lot, you know, he's he's not the type of dude who's not going to get dirty. You know, he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna get down. He's gonna lay out. He's gonna he's gonna bust his tail. He's gonna leave the game with the with the dirtiest uniform. And our pitching staff, um, starting pitchers, you know, I, we Lang would always set the tone. You know, he's dead serious all the time. Uh, unbelievable teammate. Um, but the, the, I think the biggest leader we had on our whole team. I'm not just saying this because he was my roommate for the last three years, was Jared Poche, just to see. Because you've never seen a guy that can be so consistent for so long have a start that, and he knows, I'd say this to his face, would, would be a terrible start. You know, he'd, have a, he'd, he'd throw a bad game, and then he'd bounce right back. You know, he'd be in there in the dugout cheering us on, and then he'd be bounced right back to the next week, you know, and get on another roll. Uh, I think he was, you know, having him for four years to play with just showed me kind of what, 
a leader was and for him he knows that like his stuff isn't he doesn't have lang stuff he doesn't his stuff's not that electric but that is the fiercest competitor that i've ever played with russell uh we're located here in south louisiana so we hear a really um heavy cajun accent all the time poche has one do you have a poche impersonation you could give us Dude, I'm not lying to you. I can't. I mean, like, <laughs> I, I live with him, and like, I can understand what he's saying. There's been multiple times where we've been sitting on the couch watching baseball, chilling, and he says a whole sentence, and I look at him and go, I'm not going to lie to you, dude. I have no idea what you just said. Like, I didn't pick up one word. And, <laughs> but you know how they are, all those, all these South Louisiana families. Like, they're so close-knit. His whole family will come over, and then it's like it, it just sounds like – a concert's going on. You have no idea what anybody's saying. They all know exactly what they're saying. I'm confused. I got to go to my room. Like my brain's getting fried. You know. <laughs> Welcome to our world, man. We live it every day, bud. Yeah, but those those are the best people, you know. Absolutely. Now, one of the big questions that a lot of LSU baseball fans have for next season is, how's Hess going to do as a starter? Because it looks like they're trying to transition him into a starting role. And look, you've started. You've relieved. You 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 know you've done both roles. Can he still have that same level of craziness that we see with him in the ninth inning yeah. throughout an entire game as a starter? Yeah, well, see, now that I'm not, I'm not, I'm not affiliated with LSU baseball anymore, so I can tell you kind of like what I, what I would want to see. Uh, if it was up to me, I'd love to see him stay in the bullpen because yeah. maybe just because I pitched out of the bullpen, I love watching him. You know, he gets fired up. He, he turns into a, a new person, you know, because we, we saw him as a starter. Uh, earlier in the year, but I don't think he was in that type of groove yet, you know, like like he was whenever he became that reliever and got that role. Um, I think we'll see a little bit of that fire uh, when he's starting, but it'll be it'll be toned down a lot. Yeah. But no, we're gonna you're gonna see Zach has full effect. You're gonna get everything you want out of him next year. He's I think he's I think he's draft eligible, so that might be the last year. So y'all better everybody better soak it all in. Absolutely, and. You know, the other big storyline everyone's following is, you know, the, the guy that, that a lot of folks were counting on next year, Eric Walker, has the big injury. And, and you know, you've you've been there and you've done that, unfortunately, having to sit out an entire season. So I guess first, mentally, how difficult is it to watch your guys go to battle? And then second, physically, you know, what what you know is, what's it like to have to rehab and, and push through all that pain that he's going to be going through? Yeah, yeah. So, so for me, I had labrum. Uh, I missed 22 months, so I missed pretty much before the halfway point of my freshman year. I got hurt, then I missed that whole year, that summer, and the whole next year following. So I was out for 22 months. So I was watching, you know, and it, and it definitely it gets old after one day of watching your boys go to, you know, go lace it up without you. It's terrible, but you know, and I've and I've said this before. There's two ways you can look at it, and I know Walker. And I know he's going to look at look at it as an opportunity to get better, because so many people have Tommy John these days. It just seems like it's inevitable and it's going to happen to everybody. And I mean, there's two ways you can look at it. And one is you can give up, but why would you give up on something with such a high success rate? You know, why not work your tail off, get back even to better shape than you were before. And I know that's what Eric. Very good. And and Russell, before we we let you off the line, man, give us a rundown. I know you said you're working with some kids. That's something that's near and dear to my partner, Damien and I, because we both do youth basketball. How, what are some of the things you're doing for the kids out there in Baton Rouge? trying to get as many kids as I can and I want to help them out you know I'm not trying to you know I'm not trying to ruin people's wallets I'm not trying to steal money from kids you know I'm not charging kids much I just want kids who want to work hard uh, I want them to come to Red Stick Sluggers Academy <clears throat> contact me 
and uh, I want to get after it with them. If they want to get better, I want to help them get better, and that's it. Very good. And if, if someone listening right now says, hey, I want to work, my child to work with Russell Rooms, how do they get a hold of you, man? They uh, they can contact me uh, on my email, and my email, again, is russellreynolds1717 at gmail.com, all lowercase. And then, uh, my, and then I also receive Twitter messages, and my Twitter handle is capital R, and then another capital R, and then the, less, the rest of my last name. And then 45. So R Reynolds 45, the two R's are capital. Whenever you guys are out there and they're preparing for fall ball here in a couple of months, is that going to be weird for you, man, knowing that your boys are out there playing without you? Well, no, because, I mean, I never look forward to fall ball. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's that's the thing. Every year we were saying, all right, dude, this year we're going to get drafted. This year we're going to get drafted, and we're not going to have to go to fall next year, you know, and then. For some of us that, you know, it never happened. So we just had another fall and another fall. And no one is, like, looking forward to fall except maybe some freshman or someone who comes back from summer ball and is trying to earn a position. But, yeah, I think it's going to be weird, you know, going up to the box and, you know, going to my first game and being in the stands instead of being in the dugout, you know, and it might – it might take a little bit for me not to get in the dugout, try to lace them up again. I have another year of eligibility. There you go. Now, but, you know, going to LSU, you know, for four or five years, you, you got to be a big Tiger football fan. And, look, Coach O is from here where we're doing this recording. What are your thoughts for LSU football next year, man? Where are y'all doing this recording? Uh, we're in Golden Meadow. Coach O is from about five miles north of here. Yeah, I'm going – I'm headed that way tomorrow. Okay. Um, we're going fishing. But, uh, yeah, no, oh, Tiger football? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, if, you, if you're from Louisiana and you don't love it and you don't love football, then get out. I mean, you know, but they got these few Alabama fans, and you see their – the flags in their front yard and we just take them and throw them you know in the back of someone's truck and they don't see them again sounds um, like my kind of guy yeah but no yeah coach O, I think he's gonna do a great job uh you know he's a louisiana guy i'm sure he bleeds purple and gold he has to and the few times we've seen him i've never and I've, we talked about this i've heard poche talk i've heard poche's parents talk i've never heard a human talk like that the way he talks that is crazy <laughs> You're right. It's crazy to hear him talk. <laughs> that that's a good uh good place to put a stopping point, Russell. Hey man, look, in, enjoy your fishing trip, man. Be safe and uh good luck with them kids, man. That's a good thing you're doing. Hey, thank you, man. I really I really appreciate you having me on and uh hopefully get to talk to y'all again soon. Yes, sir. That was Russell Reynolds, LSU's uh pitcher, joining us for a couple of minutes to talk about some of the things that he's doing. Um I gotta tell you, man, um, that sounds like a guy I would like to drink a beer with. He had a very good time with us. He had some really fun things to say, and uh, he's got a lot of personality. He's going to do well with them kids. That's exactly what I was about to say. I'd like to find out where he's going fishing, where he stays, <laughs> and we can go hang out. That sounds like the type of guy that, uh, that we could have a few adult beverages with. I, I think that it was very interesting, and you heard him talk about the personality of the guys on the team. And on TV, we would see you know all the, the fun that they were having. And it was good to hear him say, you know, hey, that was genuine. And it was good to hear him say, you know, Hess is nuts. Hess is crazy. Poche's, you know, Cajun. All the personalities that we saw, that's exactly how that team was. And I think that's what allowed them to have as much success as they did this past year. Yeah, listen, sometimes watching collegiate athletics, you get to the point and you kind of forget. These are kids. These are, I know I'm, I'm 34, 33 years old, however you want to say that. <laughs> it was a struggle. Yeah, it was. It's been a struggle. <laughs> You know, you just forget. These are kids. They're not getting paid. You, and you could tell the passion he had for the game just by the way he was speaking about it and by the way he was speaking about his teammates. And that's what it's all about, man. That's, that's, that's truly what sports is all about. I loved his story about if he saw an Alabama flag, they took it down and they threw it on the ground. Was that something that I would enjoy doing as well? Okay, so I got to say that I wasn't involved, of course. 
Uh-oh. I know a guy that for Mardi Gras was flying around Alabama flag and a group of friends that I may or may not know went and find that flag and he did not receive it back. That's that's what you get, right? I mean, in if, Louisiana, yeah. If you have the guts to fly around that flag for Mardi Gras, then you have the guts to also get it taken from you. And I guess if you would want, I guess if you really wanted it back, you could have came get it from that group of people. They don't seem like nice guys, though. So. Oh, sounds like a winner. We, speaking of having guts, we want to thank Russell Rams for having the guts to come and spend some time with us, as well as Richie Riley. Man, we've had him having a blast talking to these guys. Now we've really got to up our game and get some more really good guests on in the next couple of shows. Yeah, you can't. This is a, a starting point. You can't. You can't go down from here. Absolutely. But it's going to be hard to top because those two really good guests so far. Let's take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to keep it rolling. You're listening to one more round. We'll be right back after this. If you're in the market for a screen-printed vinyl t-shirt, sports apparel, embroidery, or much more, please visit Down the Bayou Design Studio and Clothing Company in Golden Meadow. They have all your clothing needs. Go visit Nick and all the guys out there. They're going to do a wonderful job. Again, that's Down the Bayou Design Studio and Clothing Company out in Golden Meadow. They're open five days a week from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Again, that's Down the Bayou Design Studio and Clothing Company. Give them a ring, 985-475-7700. And welcome back to the One More Round Studios. A reminder, we could find us all over social media on Twitter at 1-O-N-E underscore more round. Facebook, look up One More Round Studios, Podbean, one more round dot Podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com. And YouTube, search One More Round Studios. Casey just cleared with Damien St. Pierre. We want to thank our two guests, Richie Riley and Russell Reynolds. We've had a really good time chatting with them. Uh, we've got a lot more guests lined up, and we'll have them throughout the summer. Partner, only 50 days until the start of high school football. Over the next couple of weeks, we'll be starting to ease some coaches onto the line. We'll talk to them about some of the things that are going on. You know, it's crazy. Uh, I remember, uh, and we'll talk some summer league in just a second, but I remember when, when you and I were kids, man, we wouldn't return to school after summer break until late August. Man, the kids are already about to get back into the classroom in early August now, so it's crazy to think that summer break is already almost done. Um, but speaking of summer, NBA summer league, we talked just a minute ago. Um, there was uh, everybody wants to see Alonzo Ball, man. He's must see TV. He sells out the building when the Lakers the are playing. It's Lonzo. choked full. The, the first couple of games, yeah, he was okay. The first game, he was terrible. He, the second game, he got a triple double, but still wasn't very good on offense. Third game, he sat out, had a groin injury. The fourth game, last night, he exploded. He had 36 points, I believe, eight rebounds, 11 assists. Um, shot really well, got to the paint, did really whatever he wanted to do on the floor. That, I think, is the Lonzo Ball that can maybe power this Lakers franchise into the future. Was that fact or fiction? Is that who Lonzo Ball is going to be, or is that just sort of a one-game uh, abnormality? I think it's going to be, some, at least for the first season, I think it's going to be somewhere in the middle of that. You got you, you got a kid. You know, we talked about that earlier. Still kids. I don't think he's going to be consistently 
uh, 30 points a night type of guy. I think he, in the future he can be. But at this point, I would expect, uh, you know, eight points every other, you know, every couple games. There's going to be a bad game every, every once a week, twice a week kind of deal. I just don't think he's ready to be consistently great yet. There's a lot of pressure on him. And you know what? It's about the shoes. It's about the shoes. That's a wonderful segue, Biz. I was just about to ask you that. It is the first two games he wore the Triple Bs, the uh, shoes that we had all been waiting for and the shoes that a couple thousand idiots paid $500 to get. Um, and then he, he rested with the groin injury. Game four last night, he rolled out some Kobe's and played really, really well. Now, the thing about the I've never been opposed to the whole brand thing and the whole idea that, you know, the dad was going to sell some shirts and whatever it may be. But whenever it got into shoes, I got a little bit nervous about that, because here's what people don't know is when Nike signs an athlete, they bring you to wherever one of their, you know, research places are. They customize your shoe for your foot. It's scientifically tested. You're getting the best materials, the best of everything, and it's customized for you. I don't know that LeVar Ball is doing this type of scientific work for his son, and I don't know they're using the best equipment or the best processes, and my concern was always the kid's going to get hurt. Two games into his summer, the kid got hurt. He switched shoes. Game four, he dominated. I know it sounds really easy. It's a small sample size. It sounds easy to just blame it all on the shoes, but I think that where there's smoke, there may be a little bit fire here. And I'm, I'm a little nervous about the, the triple B shoes if, if Lonzo's going to wear those in the next season. Listen, I'm under the, the camp of you look good, you play good. I'm always, I was always, as a, as a basketball player and a football player, I had the headbands, the, the socks, the shoes. You got to have it all matching to be able to play, better play well. I'm wearing the triple Bs straight from shoe show. That's not happening. I don't. My automatically, my shooting percentage goes down fifteen points. You know, you don't. You don't look good. You don't feel good. I think. Listen, those shoes are terrible. I think they're terrible as well. I can't. I can't wear an all black pair of shoes with a little stripe of gold. And look, essentially, those triple B shoes are Kobe's. They're just a knockoff Kobe shoe. So all he did was upgrade a little bit. And look, you look good. You feel good, you play good. You know, it, it's, it's interesting um, because whenever I see, you know, the all-black tennis shoe, I think, man, that's something an old man would wear. So it feels like, to me, LeVar designed the shoes for him to wear when he's playing pickup. He claims to be this wonderful basketball player, could beat Michael Jordan, whatever it may be. Um, but you're right. I, I think the shoes are not very fashionable. I would like to see them either be redesigned or, you know, Alonzo wear something else, whatever it may be. But it's a good segue into the next question I'm going to ask you is you like shoes a lot and and I, I'm sort of the same way you know the the triple b shoes are, are 500 bucks and neither you nor I are, are going to buy that but we both have guilty pleasures when it comes to shoes what is that one shoe that as a kid or even as an adult you would have splurged on and made sure that you had them in your closet I just got them a couple months ago it's the Jordan 11 Carolina Blues now they re-released them as a low top, and we just talked about that. Low tops to me are terrible. Sure, but if I would have had the high tops of those uh, available to buy, I would have definitely, definitely spent that much on that pair of shoes. What, what about you, Case? 
Well, I like the Jordan 11s as well. Um, as a kid, I got two of them that, man, I really was on release day begging my parents, man, we got to go to the mall. We got to go get these shoes. Um, the first was, in, I was in seventh grade, so this is 1999. Allen Iverson released some white and black shoes. You remember they had kind of the, the crazy design on the sides? I had to have those shoes. I, I had to have them so bad that I ended up getting the red pair as well. So I had two versions of those shoes. And then the other was um big Tracy McGrady fan. So when I was in 11th grade. Is that the Ann Warrens? <laughs> no, Tracy no, no. McGrady's? No, no, no. no. We, we, were, we were Adidas then. Okay. Um, 11th grade. So this is, let's see, let me do my math. This is 2003-2004. McGrady had these god-awful, gaudy, all-blue shoes with kind of some stripes on the side. And he also had some red ones as well to commemorate him being traded to the Rockets. I got one pair of each. I would wear one red, one blue every day. Um, and it's funny, at, at the time, the principal of the high school was like, man, you can't do that. You know, that, that, that doesn't match the uniform policy. But being the smart, smart-ass kid that I was at the time, it was an Olympic year. And I said, I'm just trying to show my patriotism. I'm supporting our Olympic <laughs> athletes. To which she said, go ahead, man. Good, good for you. So those are those were the two I, pairs of shoes that I had. I do have one more. We could probably talk about this for a couple hours on <laughs> shoes, but – uh, talk about look good, feel good, play good. When I was 12 years old, and I'm dating myself, this is 1995, they came out with, uh, Nike came out with a pair of Air Zooms. I don't know if they were specifically for an athlete, which I'm sure uh, Tommy Bottle is listening right now. He could chime in and tell us. Those were the shoes I played the best in. And in fact, they re-released them last year at, I think it was $180. I think a buddy of mine, in fact, I know a buddy of mine got married in those shoes in the re-release he had as tuxedo uh with the air zooms if you look those up it's the shoes that have the big uh it almost looks like a bubble on the heel and then there's a smaller bubble in there they're terrible <laughs> they look terrible but just the fact that we all had them as kids and those were those are the shoes to have man so one more shoe question then we'll when then we'll wrap up and talk about some things we're doing over the weekend at what age for you, or I guess what was the first pair of shoes where, you know, was as a kid, I mean, you, you put on whatever the hell your parents give you. It could be, you know, Snoopy or Scooby-Doo, whatever. You're going to wear whatever they buy for you. What was the first shoe that you actually paid attention to at the store and said, hey, I want these? For me, it was the pumps. I, I, I saw the pumps. I, I bought into the commercial and the whole thing of, man, you pump these shoes up and you could fly. And I bought into that as a five-year-old. What was the first pair for you that you actually paid attention to? That that might be it. That might be it. I remember having those in uh, third, fourth, uh, third grade. That was the first. That was the first uh, real school grade. It might have been the pumps, and after that, it was. I think it was the Jordan sixes. Those were those were pretty sharp. And then uh, the real first shoe that I remember really, really, really going after is the uh, Kamikazes, the Sean Kemp. There you go. Shoes. And I actually, again, I they re-released those, and I bought those. I have those in my closet. Now they reach me to my knee because they're so freaking <laughs> deep. But those, again, ugly as sin, man. Ugly as sin. But, heck, I mean, it, it was worth it at the time. And and I'd say this, you know, the McGrady shoes were ugly sin. He's never going to re- he's never going to re-release shoes because he's not that popular. But if he ever would, I would buy them all over again. <laughs> Well, partner, it's uh, it's been a great show. We're Thursday night now, heading to a 
very nice weekend here in South Louisiana. Partner, what's on the agenda? What are some of the things you're looking forward to seeing this weekend? Uh, tomorrow night, I promised my wife that we would have a date night. So okay. we are going to Freeman's in Thibodeau. Get Freeman's, get, if you hear this, give us a plug, give us a discount uh, when we get there because <laughs> I know the bill is going to be pretty high. Uh, second Saturday night, we are going, a group of friends and I, and I hope you come with us. Yeah. Uh, NWA Gulf Coast Wrestling in Morgan, at the Morgan City Auditorium. We're going to see Cajun Heat 2. Main event, Mustang Mike from Morgan City is the NWA champion right now, taking on the Samoan Afa Jr. He is from the big-time Samoan family at Roman Reigns, and all those guys come from uh, co-main event, which is the reason we're going. Matt Riviera and the king, Jerry Lawler, taking on a surprise team. And the other card is filled with local guys, Killer Shane, uh, Stan Sweet Tan, and also Americos, one of our favorite guys that was in a Braun Strowman match on Monday Night Raw. Yeah. He's also going to be there. It's a 7.30 bell time. 5.30, have a meet and greet with the King Jerry Lawler. I hope we take advantage of that. Uh, and then on Sunday, got a few buddies of mine. We're going to go with one of our, our better, our good sponsors, Max Plazos and uh, Tidewater Charters. Hopefully go out there and hopefully another deal right here. Max, if you're listening, we're going to put your commercial in. Uh, maybe after this, hopefully before this and after, we could get a good deal and go and catch some fish. Look, it doesn't sound like uh, you would need to twist Russell Reynolds' arm very much to get him on the boat with you guys. Maybe having a, a more famous guy than, than you and your buddies on the on the ship could uh, could allow you to maybe get a discount on that trip. Yeah, because we had a lot of not famous people and we've gotten <laughs> discounts before. <laughs> we want to thank everybody for listening. Well, I guess my weekend plans. Um, I'm hoping to join you guys on on the wrestling trip, doing a little work. But if anybody is um. Looking for something to do. The the uh, baby cakes are on a home stand right now over at the Shrine. I don't know if it's still called the Shrine anymore, but they'll be playing at 7 p.m. Friday, um, 6 p.m. Saturday, 1 o'clock matinee on Sunday, and then 11 a.m. start Monday. They'll be home for a while. Um, if anybody, LSU fans out there, Austin Nola is the starting catcher for that team, so that's always a good time. Uh, my wife and I went last weekend, and look, even if you're not a big baseball it's a fun fan, time. it's still a fun time. Look. For eight bucks, I got a helmet full of popcorn that I could have went get refilled the entire time. That was that just that. That's a good deal. And tickets go anywhere from five dollars to twelve dollars. Look, it was a uh, twelve dollars a ticket for my wife and I, and I think it, with all the fees and whatever, it was thirty three bucks. We were six rows behind the catcher. Yep, can't beat that. So we want to sign off right here. Thanks to Coach Richie Riley again. Thanks to Russell Reynolds. We've got some more guests lined up for you. Got a couple of big shows planned for next week. So we want to sign off. Everybody have a great weekend. Find us on social media. We're, we're growing. Stay with us, man. Let me tell you something. Stay in your lane. 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 You are a hater. With all due respect, stay in your lane. I'm undefeated. Next. I'm undefeated. Never lost. I'm undefeated. Never lost. Next. Believe that. Believe that. Next. Next. Welcome to Big Baller Zone. I'm the one who made Lonzo. I'm the one who made Lonzo. I'm the one who made Lonzo. Stay in your lane. 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 You are a hater. Who's better, Levar or Michael Jordan? Think about no damn Levar. Yes, they are. Believe that. Believe that.